Lately, for some reason, I feel like the concept of a cafeteria plan of the gospel of Jesus Christ keeps coming up in my life. So is that even a thing? And what does that even mean? Is that something that we subscribe to? Neil and I dive deep into this and use some scriptural references and quotations by people far wiser than we are to talk about where we stand with all this. We also give some examples from our own lives of obedience and blessings and how the principle of being wholly converted has changed our lives. Hi, Neil. Hi. <laughs> we are recording at whatever this is, 9.30 p.m. Our kids are in bed and Neil has to still prepare a seminary lesson after this, but we had a completely different topic planned out. We had quotations earmarked for it. We were ready to go. We said a prayer like we always do before we record. And the Spirit said to me, you got to talk about something else. And this happens every once in a while. We ended the prayer. Neil looked at me and he said, what is it? What's wrong? <laughs> and I said, we got to talk about something else. And he said, really? Okay, what is it? And I told him this topic that we had talked about earlier today. And it has come up multiple times for me. And specifically, I've said this before, when things come up in threes, I'm like, okay, Heavenly Father, I'm listening. And it came up in a private conversation in a in a DM back and forth between someone I'm friends with on Instagram. And then this came up again with Neil and me. We were talking about it was on his mind. And it's come up a couple of times with friends and family. And so... The topic is on obedience and specifically what some people call in our church, the cafeteria plan. And we were just going back and forth about what this means. And so my understanding of that is I visualize going into, some people call it the buffet plan. And Neil, your dad's favorite restaurant is? Chuckarama. Chuckarama. Shout out to Chuckarama. It is my least favorite restaurant, maybe in the world. But we've gone a couple times for your dad's birthday because literally he could choose any place in the world and that is what he chooses. And so you walk into Chuckarama and you get your plate and you walk down the aisle and you say, okay, the roast beef looks good to me, but the chicken looks a little dry. I think I'll pass on the chicken. And I want some mashed potatoes, but the gravy looks lumpy. So I'm going to pass on that. And I'm going to have a salad. And then I get to the desserts and I'm like, well, that fruit dessert looks kind of gross to me, but I like chocolate ice cream. So I'll take some of that. And then you sit down and you have yourself a meal of your buffet or your cafeteria plan or whatever you want to call it. So I think, and I think this is really important to say right from the get-go. I think some people misinterpret what that means because to me, it means I'm going to choose to try to work on the things that sound good to me or to believe in the things that, that fit into my plan for life, but I'm going to reject what I, and, and leave on the table, whatever doesn't sound good to me. I think it's super different than you show up to the buffet and you better be willing to literally eat every single single thing in there and eat it perfectly. That's totally different. And, and so we're going to talk about a few scriptural examples. We're going to talk about the Bible specifically. And I love it. All of our examples today are coming from the Old Testament, which is extra cool, I think, because that applies to Christians and Jews. I love that. I love that about the Old Testament. So let's start off with 
one of my favorite stories from the Bible, which is Abraham and Isaac. So I'm going to turn it over to my scriptural I'm not by any master means expert Yoda over here. Yes. No, all it is is just an overview of the story. If you're not familiar with it, it's a really, I mean, one of the most, it's a frequently referenced story in the Old Testament because of how significant it is. But so you've got a prophet basically, who is commanded. And so this prophet is Abraham. So big deal. This guy, Father Abraham, is is a big deal um, in the Old Testament. Yeah, Um, he's a superstar. There's covenants, there's promises made to this guy. There were, I mean, crazy blessings that came about. But the reason why they came about was there was this huge moment of truth for Abraham. So they had his son, Isaac, who he, he loved, he loved his son, Isaac. And the Lord came to Abraham and it says here that that he did tempt him. And if I hit this little footnote, it basically says test or prove is kind of the the meaning behind that. According to the scriptures that I'm, I'm using here. And he basically to prove him to see if he would be obedient. He said, take thy son, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. Um, and basically offer him up as a sacrifice. No, I'm just, shaking your head. I'm just like, no, Harry, no. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. I no, guess that would be I would just similar. say absolutely like, hey, not. Take thy son, Harry, and go build an altar. And I mean, this is pretty I mean, pretty one of our girls, me, I'm just kidding. But seriously, that's, that's your only son, crazy. Harry, no. I would just say no. And I was just kidding. I would not sacrifice one of my girls either. But, but so he, so Abraham, he talk goes, rises up early, he goes up into the mountain, you know, he takes his son, Isaac, and basically they take the wood for the sacrifice. And, and back then they were doing these, they would offer up a sacrifice in, in similitude of Christ who would eventually come. And so they would take a lamb and, and offer that up as a sacrifice. Um, again, I'm not a scriptural master, so I could be, you know, not getting this no, absolutely getting right. perfect. But just the basic idea. So Abraham goes to essentially sacrifice Isaac. He's going, he's basically, he's, he's going to do son. it. He's going to do yeah. it. And then an angel appears and stops Abraham and says, you know, lay not a hand on the lad. Um, and basically it was a opportunity for the Lord to try or to test or to prove Abraham and his, his level of obedience. And then after that, that, main event there's the abrahamic covenant there's all these promises there's he was promised just like the crazy there's lands there's your posterity will be as the sands of the, sands of the sea, of the like sea. Yeah. all of these great promises because he was willing to be obedient and completely follow the will of of god and so that's a pretty extreme i don't think i know of a more extreme example from the scriptures but that one is very, very intense. It's extreme. But think about that in terms of a cafeteria plan. Who's going to show up to Chuck Rama and be like, yes, please, I'll take sacrifice one of my children. I would. No. I don't know. It's hard. But it's. I get it, though. It's hard. It's like, can I just prick his finger with like a pin or something and like draw a little blood and we'll call it good? <laughs> you know, but obviously that wasn't what he was commanded to. No. And. I mean, stick with us. I just, I don't want anyone to feel frustrated because there's, there's a lot to go into here, but I also want to keep it simple. And I want to just provide an opportunity to have this conversation about how obedience brings blessings, huge blessings. That is the point here. It's not 
the point isn't to be like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing the gospel wrong. No, no, no. The point is to say, if you are approaching this thinking, I'm going to do this some of the way or most of the way, but I'm going to kind of take off the things that don't sound fun to me. You're going to cheat yourself of the blessings that Heavenly Father wants to give you. He wants to bless you so badly. So I'm going to go to a scripture and tie it to one of the things that we are asked to do in our church. Malachi 3, 8, will a man rob God? Like, do you think you're actually going to rob God by not doing what he asked? So in our instance, paying tithing, are you actually robbing God? No, you are robbing yourself. And it goes on to say, Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. To me, that is like, give me a little bit. In our church, it's one-tenth. Give me one-tenth, show me that you have faith, and I will pour out these blessings so big on you that you will not have room to receive it. That blows my mind. And yet there are a lot of people who want to split hairs about that. Well, where's that money going? Well, there was this big, right before COVID hit, there was this big, do you remember, thing that blew up on social media where people wanted to split hairs about where our church was spending the money and drum up this big scandal. And they were like, yeah, we are reinvesting the money to be smart with the money so we can continue to do things like, build temples and send people on missions. And they said in there too, they said, and when financial crisis happens, when the world goes into commotion, we will continue to build temples and to send people on missions because we're doing this in a wise way. And of course, right after that, COVID hit and so many parts of the world's economy crumbled. And we were prepared for that because of the obedience of so many members of the church who are paying tithing, which is from the Bible. That's, you know, so, and many churches believe in tithing. And so again, the point isn't, oh, we're judging you or you're not doing it right. It's just, when you look at yourself, I look back and I think about some of the times that I wanted to cut corners and specifically, and and I have compassion for anyone who's in that kind of zone of, it's hard to be going to church right now, or it's hard to be all in right now, or you know, when I was, when I met Neil, I was definitely more kind of on the struggle bus of, okay, I want to be here, but the plan, which was get married in the temple and live happily ever after did not work out for me with my first marriage. And so I was kind of feeling like this social misfit showing up to church who I was kind of barely hanging on by a thread. I was not there with a rip roaring testimony of, all of this is working perfectly to my advantage exactly the way I thought it would. And specifically, I remember that, and and this is a vulnerable thing to bring up, but I remember that wearing my garments, the temple garment, that's something that we commit to in our church. And lots of other religions have different ways of manifesting an outward expression of an inward commitment. And that's kind of what we talk about when we talk about the garment, the temple garment. And I just felt like it was this, I felt like it was constraining. I felt like it was this kind of thing that I had signed up to do, but I didn't really want to do it. I just didn't have the maturity to understand 
what that really was giving me, which was so much protection and promise of blessings. I mean, that's it, right? That's what we do when we sign up to wear our garments is that's what we are doing in exchange for promised blessings and protection. And all of those years that I would, I would be like, well, I wear my garments, but I'm going to find every excuse to not wear them. I'm going to get up on a Saturday morning and put on workout clothes and hang out in them literally all day long. And that is still a temptation for me to this day. It is still a temptation for me when I'm in my workout clothes to be like, I know I should go change out of these and get in my garments right away, but this thing is coming up or I need to run this kid to school or I, well, now I want to make a protein shake and now this call is coming up and one thing leads to another and sometimes it's hours, you know? And the more that I push myself to be obedient and try to be what one of our prophets called exactly obedient, I feel those blessings. I really do. This is not just some like mother goose fairy tale, whatever. It's real. It is real. When I say, okay, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And even though it's it, and it's really, the funny thing is it's really not that big of an effort. It's really not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal to give one-tenth of what we make back to the church. When I honestly, truly in my heart of hearts feel like 100% of what we make is from God anyway. All of our blessings, including all of our physical blessings, are from God anyway. So why would we hesitate to give a tenth back to Him? And in the same way, it's not that hard to just quickly take a shower after my workout, put on my garments, and move on with my day. But it is a temptation for sure all the time. And when I look back on those times that I wanted to, quote unquote, rob God and be like, the garments, like that's annoying and they're hot and it's uncomfortable and whatever. I'll get to it later. On those days that I did that for years when you and I were first dating and stuff, or we'd go out boating and whatever, and I'd just stay in my swimsuit for hours and hours and hours. I wasn't tricking God or cheating the system or whatever. I was cheating myself. And that's what I look back and I'm like, oh, like whatever blessings I could have gotten from being more obedient, I just kind of shorted myself. And And that's not to say like, oh, if you're not doing it perfectly, then you're not going to be blessed because that's not how it works either. But I want to read this quotation that I personally love. I've heard some people say they don't love it, but I love this. It's by Ezra Taft Benson. And he said, when obedience ceases to be an irritant and becomes our quest, in that moment, God will endow us with power. To me, that just says it all. It's like when you just want to do what Heavenly Father wants you to do, He is going to, I imagine, and I'm not even a gamer, but I imagine the like old, old, old school Mario where he would like get a little mushroom and then he grows like, you know, quadruple. I was thinking you're going to go with the star where he can like run through every, yeah, all that the too. enemies and he doesn't get- You get a get... star or a mushroom or <laughs> a whatever. Get... And that is like God endowing you with power. Like, thank you for listening to me and not, like, I didn't ask you to go kill your only son. I'm just asking you to give me one tenth of what you earn or go put your garments back on because you promised you would wear them day and night. Like, that's what you committed to. You signed up for that. So just do it. It's not that hard. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I talked a lot. Well, yeah, in general, I mean, I think that there are obviously, yeah, there are blessings tied to being obedient to a certain principle or commandment or there's, there is kind of, I don't know, there's, there's expansion, there's learning, there's spiritual growth that is available. 
at least what I've seen in my life, as I live certain principles and I gain a testimony, it is kind of a trial of faith on on each one of them that that I have to gain a personal testimony. I, I hear something, I'm like, okay, that sounds right. I believe, you know, I heard I hear these stories of people. I think tithing's a great example. I've heard so many cool stories from other people about paying tithing and and miraculous things happening or um, just feeling spiritually, you know, good or stronger or whatever. But there, there did come that time where, all right, like I started to have a job and that basically came up for me. And then I had to make that choice and exercise faith and do it. And then I, for myself, saw those blessings and gained a strong testimony of tithing and what that does for me. And so I think that it is a process of kind of exercising faith and trying just as Malachi talks about, try me, prove me now herewith. Yep. And I think that with a lot, like with the commandments or with obedience in general, it does take faith and exercising faith to do it. And that faith for me can, you know, is stronger in some areas and weaker in other areas, but I still have confidence and faith and belief that even though I might be weaker in an area, it's not for me something that I would say, you know, I'm weaker here. Therefore, I'm just kind of not going to believe in this particular principle. I'll just skip over it. Or I'll just kind of skip that part. Like tithing, I'm all in on all this other stuff, but I don't know. I kind of like, I want that 10%. I want to save and invest it or whatever. So I'm going to, I don't believe in the tithing thing. So for me personally, it's not like that. It's more you know, if there are areas that I'm, I'm learning in, I'm striving to be better in, and I, I know what those are, that there's an opportunity for me to exercise my faith and to grow spiritually by striving to be better in those areas. Or with a lot of these things like, yeah, you can be perfect in paying my tithing this month or tithing is great. Again, I think it's such a, it's just the percentage thing works for me. I don't know why. It's just, <laughs> You're a numbers guy. But it's like, yeah, you know, 10% is 10%. Boom. I paid my tithing this month and I feel good and, and I see blessings and I see prosperity. I am perfect in that one thing. And I can continue to do that and continue to see good things happen in my life and build my faith in that principle. For anyone too, who's like, Well, but a lot of people say, and I have seen it so many times on social media, people who say, well, we're all cafeteria Mormons, or we don't call ourselves Mormons, but I will see people say that, or we're all cafeteria members of the church, or we're all buffet people or whatever. This is what our prophet said about this, which is, I think it maybe came from him and maybe it didn't. Maybe other people were saying it before him, but this is the first time I remember hearing that. So in April, 2011, Russell M. Nelson said, he said, start with your children. You parents bear primary responsibility to strengthen their faith. And he tells you all these things that you should be teaching them. And then about halfway through, he says, teach a faith to keep all the commandments of God, knowing that they are given to bless his children and bring them joy. Warn them that they will encounter people who will pick commandments that they will keep and ignore others that they choose to break. I call this the cafeteria approach to obedience. This practice of picking and choosing will not work. It will lead to misery. To prepare to meet God, one keeps all of his commandments. It takes faith to obey them and keeping his commandments will strengthen that faith. But this is my favorite part. Obedience allows God's blessings to flow without constraint. He will bless his obedient children with freedom from bondage and misery. 
I just think that's super powerful. He's, he's explaining it in such an eloquent way. That's like, if you want to obey all of God's commandments and you, he's not saying he didn't say if you show up and you do it perfectly every day, but he's saying, if you have the desire to do that, then you will be able to experience God's blessings without constraint. That's pretty cool. I like that promise. And that's the kind of thing that I want to teach my kids. And they may not choose that. That's agency. That's the whole point of coming here and being tested and choosing and learning. And as far as obedience goes too, I look at the way that I can understand things so much better than my kids can. And sometimes they want to do things that sound super fun in the moment, like eat an entire carton of ice cream or something. And I'm like, you're probably going to feel sick if you do that, but it might look fun in the moment. And then after they feel totally sick or there are plenty of other things that we could bring up, but it's like our heavenly father can see everything perfectly. So why not listen to him, especially since he didn't send us down with like, I'm going to literally give you robotic instructions every single day for every little thing that you need to do. And you better follow it perfectly. He gave us 10 commandments. And then he's given us other, if you are a member of our church, we believe that he's given us other modern commandments and things that he's asked us to do, but it's not an exhaustive list. It is not, I'm going to tell you literally every day, every single thing that you have to do and you have no choice. It's, these are the things that if you do them, you will be blessed. You will be happy. Somebody said recently, I'm trying to remember who it was. Maybe it was Craig McKeown. Someone said that commandments are God's cheat sheet to happiness, which is totally true in my opinion. super clear and Neil always wants to be super clear about this too. I'm not saying I follow the commandments perfectly and therefore I'm so happy. It's not like that at all. I make mistakes all the time. And in fact, I have one in particular that is a character weakness of mine that I've been working on all year and I fall all the time and I make mistakes with that all the time. And I'll probably share that eventually. But here's the difference is I'm not looking at it going, I don't really feel like doing that one. I'm going to do the others because they sound good to me. I show up every day and I'm like, okay, Heavenly Father, I'm probably not going to do it right again today, but I'm going to really try. Please help me. And I think it is so cool when we go to ARP meetings and they are full of people who honestly, a lot of them probably got loaded like that day or the day before, or, you know, they acted out on their addiction within the last 24 hours, a lot of them. And yet when they share their testimonies and they, or not even their testimonies, when they just share where they're at and they do their 12 step share in the meetings, you feel the spirit so strongly because those people are showing up to give their full effort and their full effort might not look like someone else's full effort, but they are fully there to completely offer everything that they have at that point. And that's what I'm, that's what I think Heavenly Father wants from us and expects from us is give me everything that you possibly can here. You know, give me, give me your best effort and I will magnify that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think you can't, in my thought process and in my eyes, you can't talk or speak to obedience without 
bringing up the atonement of Jesus Christ. I mean, if I'm to look at all of these commandments, I mean, even just the 10 commandments, you know, let alone Christ coming and talking about like the beatitudes and, you know, whosoever, you know, if you even look upon a woman to lust after you've committed adultery, like there's a higher law that, that Christ brought in that we're, we're, you know, striving to live by some of these things. You can look at this and say like, what an order, all of these different things, it just can feel unmanageable. If it's just me under my own power, there's really no way, but that's the whole premise of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that through the atonement, through what Christ did for us, through the grace of Christ, I can be perfect. I can, I can be made perfect through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I can bring my effort and I can repent and I can use that atonement to, to become better. And I love, I, I don't know, for me, that I love the 12 steps. I love the first three steps. I mean, basically summing it up, I mean, the way that it was explained to me is step one, I can't. Step two, God can. Step three, so I'm going to let him. So it's kind of recognizing like, I'm going to stop trying to just absolutely on my own and of my own volition without anybody's help, because I'm just that amazing. And without <laughs> God's help, because I don't need anybody's help, I'm going to just do all this perfect. And that creates problems. Life becomes unmanageable very, very quickly. But taking spiritual actions, recognizing God, asking for help, and specifically for his help, because of Jesus Christ, we can rely on and and gain access to the grace of Christ, which is an enabling power that enables us to meet these challenges or whatever. No, they're not challenges, but, but basically meet the demands of the law, so to speak, or the commandments and be able to have it be enough. And where there is imperfection or where there is struggle or striving that through Christ and through using the atonement of Jesus Christ, you can become perfect um, eventually in somewhere in eternity or, you know, whatever the case may be through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Like you are enough. That's one thought that I'm having as we're we're talking about this. And I, th- I think that people can get caught or I've heard I myself have got caught on that. And I think there needs to be a balance and there's been some great talks um, that talks about this. And um, one of my favorite ones is Jeffrey R. Holland. Be, it's a talk entitled, Be Ye Therefore Perfect Eventually. Um, and he talks a lot about this. And it's actually, it's a really powerful talk for me because it's the one I sent it to my brother who died a couple of years ago. It was like one week before he died. It was the last text message I sent to him was that talk. And so it was just such a cool, powerful talk for me. But just the general concept, I think that it can get swayed so far one way or the other. Totally. And I think you got to keep that in mind while having this conversation of, Hey, the laws and the principles or the laws and the principles, like those are unchanging and you can't pick and choose. But at the same time, that's why the atonement of Jesus Christ is there to be able to enable us to make up the Christ is the difference. Right. And I'm having similar thoughts too, as I'm talking about, just be obedient, just show up with your best effort. I don't want anyone to listen to this and think, wow, I'm so far from being perfectly obedient or obeying all the commandments. Like I'm only getting one or two right right now. Again, I go back to 
I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but I've definitely shared it in ARP meetings. I feel like the two places where I feel the spirit, the very strongest for me personally are in the temple and in an ARP meeting. And in ARP meetings, people are just so raw and real about exactly where they're at and how much they want to change. And that is really the key. Like, I want to change. I'm maybe way off the mark. I might be doing a lot of things wrong, but I have this real desire to get there. And this is one of my favorite things from the ARP manual in step six, change of heart. This is by President Marion G. Romney. He said, and one who is really wholly converted, desire for things contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ has actually died and substituted therefore as a love of God with a fixed and controlling determination to keep his commandments. That's where it's at is nowhere in this ARP manual does it say you better be perfect or you're not going to be happy. And in fact, it over and over acknowledges addiction and how consuming and how difficult that can be. And some other time we'll talk about powerlessness and some of the other components of addiction that you and I have learned very in a detailed way. But this is kind of the essence of, in my opinion, really the gospel of Jesus Christ is just show up with a completely converted heart. And you don't have to do it perfectly, but you just want to be there for it instead of like the times that I look back on my life where I was like kind of resentful about some of the things that I felt like Heavenly Father was asking me to do, or I didn't understand it. And so instead of leaning into wanting to understand, I leaned away and went, okay, well, this bugs me. So I'm just going to kind of pretend that it's not a big deal or, you know, it's not really going to affect me if I, if as long as I'm kind of just doing these other things then it'll be fine. I just think that when I did that, I really took myself away from that outpouring of blessings and really feeling connected to God and being able to hear Him and being able to be led by Him because that's where I want to be now. I'm like, even if I'm not doing things exactly right, and I'm not all the time, I'm Neil can tell you. In fact, we get these texts, like these little relationship texts. And today we got one that said, what are your strengths that you bring to the marriage? And I was like, I don't even know, but I sure know all of my weaknesses <laughs> that I bring in. And I do, I know, I am so keenly aware of all of my weaknesses personally, professionally, in our marriage, as a mother, I have many, many, many of them that I'll probably never fully master in this life. But I want to try, I really do with all my heart, want to show up and try. And I think that's where it's at. I think that's where Heavenly Father can bless you the most is even if you can't run the marathon, if you just show up and you're like, okay, I'm putting on my shoes and I'm, I might get to the 5K, even though other people are running the marathon. I'm here. I'm running. I'm trying. It's a terrible analogy because I hate running. And, but surprised you went with running. Right? That's, that's good though. I thinking? I mean, it makes sense. I personally, I feel like I'm, depending on the time of my life, have been on one side or the other of the spectrum of basically being like maybe where I wasn't doing things that were aligned with the gospel principles and I knew it. You know, it wasn't anything that I was, you know, there was no surprise there. That maybe I was a little too far on the like, you know, 
justification side of things or rationalizing or justifying or kind of like, ah, is it really like that? And like, do I really need to be that level of it where I've been too far off? And then I think, I think of other times too, where like I've been overly self-righteous or judgmental of others or dependent on situations where I've, I've kind of looked at things and been too much on the, so I, I don't know. I, I think that there is a balance to me maintained, but one thing that is unchanging, and this is what I love about the gospel in general is eternal principle, eternal principles and eternal truths. Like they don't change at all. They are eternal. Which is why the Bible and the Book of Mormon for our belief too is timeless. It's not like every year it needs an update. Oh, this is out of date now. Like or... We got to come out with a new <laughs> set of commandments, like the new, you know, new, let's throw everything else out. And, and this is the brand new. I think that there's expansion as we learn and grow sure. on the, the commandments and further understand things. Things are further revealed. And, and that's what I love about having a prophet is that we can receive further revelation, additional revelation, but still those principles and those eternal truths remain the same and and they are unchanging. And I think that we can run into problems or I, I run into problems when, when there's a question about one of those, or, you know, maybe, Hey, maybe I will pick and choose what I'm going to completely follow here. Um, you know, can be a little dicey or a lot dicey. Right. And that's kind of what President Nelson said a minute ago in that quote that I read. One of my very favorite things to highlight and to read and to find in the Book of Mormon as I read it every day is the phrase, if you keep the commandments, you'll prosper in the land. And it's just, it's so simple and it's in there over and over. I wish I had the exact count of how many times. One of these times I'm going to need to figure out how to get that count. But it seriously feels like it's in there hundreds of times. If you keep the commandments, you'll prosper in the land. It's like passed down from one prophet to another to another and repeated over and over because it's true, because it works, because it's real. And I have seen that in our lives. I feel like when people ask me, oh, where did you get your success? Or how did you, you know, or I've even had family members or people ask me, what do you think? made your blog successful when others haven't been as or whatever. And I, every time I'm like, I believe it's because we have made the gospel, the priority in our life. And I read the book of Mormon every day. And I try to make that my guidebook. I really try to just follow the principles in there. And this is not to say I show up and do it perfectly every day, but I just try I, tr- I open that up, I read it, and I try to pattern my life after what is taught in there. And that is one of the guiding principles over and over in the Book of Mormon. You keep the commandments, you prosper in the land. And I just really, really believe that, that it wouldn't be written that plainly and simply over and over unless it was completely true. And I love how in the Book of Mormon too, the prophets in there do not shy away from saying, you need to be obedient. You need to keep the commandments. If you do, you'll be really happy, 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 happy. And if not, you're going to struggle. I mean, you can see it with your kids too, right? Like you can see when they do what they need to be doing, like, you know, piano lessons with Annabelle. When she practices, she has a great week when her teacher shows up. When she 
doesn't practice and she barely tries to scramble and get it together five minutes before her teacher's showing up, she doesn't have as good of a lesson. And that's just a principle of like, you show up and you do the work and you get rewarded or you don't. And I think that it's even more simple with, if we believe that God is God and he can see all things and he created this world and he created all of this for us, why wouldn't we trust him to give us the guidebook, give us the rules, give us the cheat sheet for happiness, and then just say, okay, I'm going to do my very best to follow this because I know if I do that you're going to keep your promise to me, that you'll pour out these blessings to me and that there won't be room enough to receive them. So lastly, I just, I want to touch on, I'll ask you this, Neil, what do you think your advice would be to someone who is listening to this and thinking, okay, I know I want to get more on board, but I don't even know where to start. Maybe they feel too lost, too far gone. They've gone too too far off the deep end, or they just are struggling to believe in God or to have faith. And they just don't even know where to start to get back on track. What's your advice? Love this question. I, from my own experience, I strongly believe that God works with us where we're at. And that, yeah, that because of Jesus Christ and the grace of Christ, the minute, and in my experience has been the minute that I make that decision to turn to him, the help is there. The blessings are there for a long time growing up. I had this, this notion that I had to get to a certain point before like the atonement of Jesus Christ would kick in. It was like, okay, if I can stop acting out of my addiction for a certain period of time and be worthy to take the sacrament in our church, then, then the atonement will kick in. Like (laughs) then I'll get help, but that's totally false. It's like the minute that I made a decision to turn to God, to, to, to strive, to, to pray and ask for help. Like he is there. So I, I firmly believe that, that God works with us where we're at. And it's just a matter of, are we willing to turn or am I willing to turn and face him? Because it's not so much I've, I've I'm coming coming to realize it's not so much he's stepping away from me or turning his back on me. It's it's me that I'm stepping away from or turning my back on him. Right. And he's always there. You know, I stand at the door and knocketh like like whoever basically open the door. <laughs> I'm right here. I love mm-hmm. you. Like come on, I love you, man. Like well, let's come open the door, please. But it's got a handle, and the handle's on our side, and and like we have to be the one to turn it and open it and. That just makes sense to me. And I've, I've noticed that in my life. And so um, one of my favorite lines from the ARP manual, I, th- I think the favorite line from the ARP manual for me is in step nine. And, and it's basically says something of the fact of you've gone down into the depths of humility and found the Lord waiting to embrace you. And that just paints such a picture that it's, he's down there with us in the depths of humility. It's not like a, Hey, once you get out of these depths, then I'll help you. It's a, no, I, you've come down to the lowest of lows and I'm waiting to embrace you. I'm waiting to help you. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you. I want to end with one of my favorite quotations from the ARP manual. And this is one that this girl that we went to ARP with back in our very beginning days of going to ARP, she would read this every week, whether we were on step six or not. And so I feel like it always makes me think of her just to paint the picture. This girl, I had never seen anyone on drugs 
the way I saw her the first time I saw her. It was startling to me. She showed up and was shaking, couldn't put a sentence together. I don't remember if it was heroin or do you remember her drug of choice? Something yeah, like that. Something, something, something that was like a hard drug. Sort. Yes. Yeah. And basically her dad went and found her on the streets of LA, you know, doing hard drugs, living homeless, just barely alive. And brought her home, started taking her to ARP. And she turned her life around from those first few meetings that I saw her just so high to then she started getting a little more sober and a little more. And she turned her life around and ended up going to BYU, which I don't think BYU is the end all be all, but I just to paint the picture and then got married in our temple, one of our temples, and she turned her life around. And this was her very favorite quotation. And sometimes I think we skip over or miss the very end of this. And the end of it is actually my favorite part. So Ezra Taft Benson said this, the Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take people out of the slums. Christ takes the slums out of people, and then they take themselves out of the slums. The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who then change their environment. The world would shape human behavior, but Christ can change human nature. May we be convinced that Jesus is the Christ. Choose to follow him, be changed for him, captained by him, consumed in him, and born again. And that's it. I love it. I just, it's not show up and do the gospel perfectly. It's not have a perfect understanding of everything. It's not, you better be running as fast as everybody else around you. It's also not, I'm sitting here judging you for whatever. I have been (laughs) that person that feels like I don't belong at church this week. I am so flawed and I made so many mistakes. But what it is, is just like you said, when you show up and you're like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm completely giving my heart to you and I'm going to make my best effort. That is when Christ can really change you, when you are consumed in him and captained by him and wholly converted. That is when he really can help make the change. So I hope this helped. It's a tricky subject. I don't think Neil was super excited to to jump into it, but he was like, if you're feeling the spirit, you feel like we need to do it. Let's do it. And I, I do. I feel like there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of chatter out there about this is actually the cool way to do the church. This is the new kid way. This is people need to wake up to this is kind of how we all should be doing church. And I'm like, just like you said, they're eternal principles. If there's ever a doubt of what's right or wrong, including whatever we said, go back to the scriptures, go back to the Bible, go to the Book of Mormon, read these stories of obedience and blessings and promises, and then apply it to your own life. And that has worked really well for us. And so I'm just, I'm super grateful for that eternal principle of obedience and when you keep the commandments you prosper in the land we have definitely experienced that and and i feel like all of the good things in our life have come from whatever effort we've been willing to give to show heavenly father our conversion to him so that's all i have do you have anything no that's great that sums it up 
Perfectly. Thank you. Okay. Well, all right. Until next time. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.